0: Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 here. Here's what it says. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses of me, uh, both in Ju- Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. One more thing. Is the stage monitors, are they on? Are they on? No? Oh man, I'm just going crazy. I think I'm going crazy. Well, good. Well, that's our text verse for this evening. And originally, I knew that I was going to preach a couple weeks in advance. because pastor gave me a heads up, thankfully. I know he does like to uh, get a hold of people on short notice. Uh, he does. He's not much of practical jokes, but sometimes he does. He will call me one time a few months ago. He called me in the afternoon, and, um, or he sent me a text message about close to 5 o'clock and said, you're up tonight. And i was like, uh-oh. You know, but I had a couple of weeks to prayer and this wasn't the one that I was uh, actually thinking about doing, uh, but really uh, because of Thomas's message last week about the war and everything that he went through there, and really about getting out of your comfort zone and sharing the gospel with people and just uh, manning up and doing it, uh, I just couldn't get away from this idea here of tell your story, or really about telling your testimony, how to share your testimony. I just could not get away from it, and it's just super interesting. Even pastor this morning talked about soul winning. I think Miss Wendy Stone this morning, did you give your testimony today? Were you nervous? Yeah, she was nervous. Well, it was good. Well, that's great, and uh, it's funny. We don't coordinate really all those things together. I didn't know pastor was doing something about soul winning, and uh, of course, uh, God's in it. So, uh, Acts one, verse number eight here, uh, what we find is really right before the ascension of Jesus, he gives his followers uh, this instruction to carry the gospel to the entire world at that time. Now, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of course, we see the life and the ministry of Jesus, we see his miracles, everything that he did, but then uh, we see his sacrifice for us. we see him in Gethsemane, we see him and endure a lot of pain, a lot of affliction, um, and go to the cross and suffer and die for us, and of course be resurrected. And that's really where ultimately the gospels kind of end. And we have a knowledge in our heads and we can say, yes, I understand what that means for us. It was something that had been prophesied about thousands of years before. And we can say, okay, we know what that means, but then we get to the book of Acts right here, And when we get into the book of Acts, we actually see people's lives start really changing because of the gospel and what it does. I love the book of Acts because it takes what happens in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it shows it put into action. There's 12 main conversions that happen in uh, the book of Acts. Uh, We know about the 3,000 souls uh, that were saved at Pentecost. And, of course, we know uh, Philippian jailer. We know about Paul the apostle. We know about Lydia um, and her household and uh, the Samaritans, many more. There's 12 main uh, conversions that we can look at and see how the gospel worked in their lives. But Jesus gave them this responsibility. This one verse right here in the book of Acts really describes what happened throughout the entire book. They were taking the gospel to their city, to their country, to the surrounding nations, and to the uttermost parts of the world, really all the known world at that time. And for the most part, they accomplished that. And we see here that they were to be witnesses. He says, and ye shall be witnesses of me. They were taking what they had seen about Jesus and really their testimony of what Jesus had done in their lives and they were taking it to the entire world at that time. And you know what? That's still for us today. This verse right here is still for us today. That's why we support missions all around the world. But you know what? We shouldn't just give to missions and not do anything on our end. We should go out and be sharing our testimony and being witnesses of what Jesus has done and what he has done in our lives, because it's important. It's number one, it's what Jesus has told us to do. So why is a personal testimony, that's what we're getting down to tonight, why is uh, a personal testimony a great way to witness? Pastor Marty Moon, I'd go door-to-door with him occasionally, and he was great at giving his testimony. He was phenomenal. He would do the survey, but somehow he always worked his testimony into the survey uh, when he got done. And he was great at doing it. And you could see by the expression on people's faces that they responded very well to his testimony. It was powerful. That's why a personal testimony is is a it's a it's a great way to share the gospel and to witness because it's powerful, because it's a personal experience. Um, I think all of you probably know I drive a jeep. I drive a Jeep Wrangler, to be specific, and uh, there's a product I came a- across many years ago, and it is phenomenal. If you have a Jeep Wrangler, they're notorious on their fender flares over the wheels and on their bumpers, on the front and back bumper. They're notorious for fading very badly. And when I first got my Jeep, about they looked really good for about the first year. And then the sun uh, beat down on them, faded them all out. And I tried a lot of different things. I tried Meguiar's, like Armor All type of stuff, Armor All. um, Tried that, put it on there, and it would last for about a week or so, and then in a real hard rain, it would all just wash off. It didn't like to stick to the plastic. So one day I said, you know what, I'm going to try something else. Went down to Walmart, found this product. It's called Wipe New. Has anybody ever heard of Wipe New? I spent on some, oh, Mr. Jensen, he likes it. Fireman likes it. It's it's a great product. I, it comes in a little tiny bottle like this. It's really potent. You got to put on gloves. I think it comes with a little mask, and uh, you you put a little few drops on there, and this little tiny bottle will do my entire Jeep, which there's a whole lot of plastic on there. And so I started out. I didn't uh, you know I didn't really believe because of everything else I had tried, but I thought I'd give it a shot. I think it's like twelve or thirteen dollars, and so I went and applied it to my Jeep and it looked really great it looked deep black looked wet it was just great and six months later it still looked just as good now if you look at my jeep now you won't believe i ever used it but i do know it works really well it works really 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 good and so anytime i see somebody who has a jeep and i don't know if you know there's kind of like a little jeep club anybody ever notice that Sometimes they'll drive down the road and they'll just like wave at you. You know, if you got a jeep and they got a jeep ring Or they wave at you. Yeah, I don't know So we got this camaraderie kind of like the motorcycle people do when they like hold out their hands or something But anytime I see somebody with a jeep and they've got some faded fenders I go up to them and I tell them I got what you need and I tell them the exact same story that I told you I've tried everything nothing worked But this one product that I have right here, you go down to Walmart, it's $12 or $13. You will not regret it. It will be perfect. And you know what? They're happy. They're receptive because they say, oh, you know what? If it worked for me, I mean, if it worked for you, it's going to work for me. And so they're very happy to receive it. It's very powerful. Recently, I had our youth staff, which is Nick and Nora Carbon, Troy and uh, Andrew Lytell and Doug and Becky Smith, I had them all give their testimonies in our youth group on Wednesday night. Each week I had a different one do it. And it, Mr. Nick, it was powerful. It was very powerful. Because you saw how the gospel actually changed somebody's life. And we saw it in all six of those people. Jeff Larson, I had him, he uh, was willing and volunteered to do chapel for us um, a few times. And he gave his testimony last month. And it was powerful. To see how God worked in his life and got him to the place where he is at now. It's powerful. And the second thing, why use your personal testimony when you witness? It's easy. Why is it easy? We all like to talk about ourselves. We do. We all do. Just ask the person sitting next to you. It's true. We like to talk about ourselves. You like statistics, right? Here's some statistics. Did you know 95% of people like to talk about themselves? The other 5% are lying. Everybody does. That's about as true as it is because we're self-centered, but this is a free pass that you and I get to talk about ourselves. Ultimately, we get to talk about what Jesus did for us, but, but we get to be involved a little bit uh, in the storytelling, and it's easy to do. But while I had the youth staff give these testimonies, and while I had Jeff Larson uh, give his testimony, and I believe Miss Wendy Stone today, I didn't get to hear it, but I noticed that each one of their testimonies had four things in common. Four main things that were in coming when they were telling the, their testimonies. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter number 26. We're going to look at that for the remainder of the passage. This is, I would say, the greatest example of somebody giving their testimony in the, in the Bible. The greatest example, this is Paul the Apostle here. Many of you know how he was saved. But from this passage right here, we can see somewhat of a little formula of how we can share our testimony. And so that's kind of my goal for tonight is to, maybe you already know it, you probably already do it and don't even think about it. Um, But it's a great way when I give my testimony, it helps keep me on track. So there's four things, but we're going to look at Acts chapter 26. We're going to start in verse number four here. By the way, this is when Paul, the apostle here, he's standing before King Agrippa. And he is really on trial. They're trying to figure out what in the world Paul's doing here. Why is he causing all this ruckus? And in verse number one, we see that he permitted Paul to speak. And so Paul goes ahead and he gives his testimony throughout the majority of this chapter. So we're here in verse number four. And it says, he says, "Um, my manner of life from my youth, which was first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. Which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after being the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night, hoping to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing with you that God should raise the dead. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. So when Paul goes and he gives his testimony here, the first thing that he really describes is he talks about his life before he was saved. So if you're going to share your testimony, the first place you really want to start is before you were saved. Okay, I want you to remember that. Before you were saved is where you want to start. So we see here from Paul that he says that he was a very religious person. We know that Paul was a Pharisee. That was about the highest level of religion that you could possibly reach in that day and time. He was a Pharisee, very religious, um, did his best to uh, keep the law of Moses that was there. But what he's getting at here is that religion did not save him. Religion did not save him. Hey, and religion does not save you. Jesus saved you. I grew up in church, wasn't saved. I went to I had all the verses memorized. 2 Timothy 2.15, Study, show thyself to prove unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, but you know what? I wasn't saved. Had a lot of verses that I memorized. I think I got the... Memorized all my books. I got to go to some little special Awana camp when I was 12 years old. Because I did all my books. But I wasn't saved. My parents had me in church since I was a little kid. They had me in Christian school my entire life. Christian school and homeschool. But I tell you what, I wasn't saved. I didn't know God. I knew who he was. But I had no relationship with him whatsoever. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's people who come sit at Gospel Baptist Church week after week after week. And somehow think that that is going to gain them favor with God when they stand before him someday. But that's not the way that it works. You may be sitting here today and think that you're gaining favor with God, but let me just be frank with you. You're just as far from God as the drunk, the drug addict, uh, the prostitute, the adulterer that's down the road over here. You're just as lost, but you are close to the truth tonight. Hey, realize religion doesn't save you. Doing a whole lot of good things doesn't save you. Carrying a Bible, ooh, even a King James Bible, that doesn't save you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he says, you know what, many people are going to come to me in that day and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, hey, I did a lot of good things in your name. He said, they say, I cast out devils, I prophesied. I did many good works in your name. And what's Jesus going to say to them? He says, going to depart from me. He that work iniquity, I never knew you. Those are going to be some pretty hard words for some people who gave their entire life to religion, never accepting what Jesus had done for them. That's where Paul the Apostle was at. He was into doing a whole lot of good things, but he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Then he says that he was living contrary to God. We see that in verses 9 through 11. He says, I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus the Nazareth. He goes and lists things. He says, I shut up people in prison. That's pretty bad. Shut up, by the way, Christians in prison. Not just anybody. He was shutting up Christians in prison. Um, he says, I put to death. He says, I gave my voice against people that were on death row so that they would be killed, Christians. He says, I punished Christians often in every synagogue. He says, I compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even in two strange cities. He was really against God. Really, really, really against God. And you know what? Before you were saved, you were against God as well. You were doing many things contrary to the name of God. You may sit here and you may say, well, you know what? I'm not as bad as that. Yeah, but we're not comparing ourselves to each other. I hate when people do that. Hey, I get caught up in doing that too. Don't compare yourselves to other people. Hey, compare yourself with holy and a holy and a just God and see where you land. You're not going to fare too well. Many things contrary. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, you guys are of your father, the devil. Those are pretty harsh words. Hey, we don't like to think that way, but that's where you and I were before we were saved. Hey, let's not ever get this high and and, uh, mighty thinking that we were ever really something before Jesus came along. No, we were really nobodies doing things that were contrary to, to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And you know what? The other thing, when people give their testimony, some people, they say, you may be sitting here today like me, and you, you may say, well, I never really did anything that bad. People aren't going to really want to hear my testimony. I never, I never was a drug addict. I was never a drunk. I was never really a thief, or I, I wasn't much of a liar. I attended church and you know, when I was a kid, and I realized that I needed to be saved, and I was saved. And you may say, well, nobody wants to hear That's not as good of a testimony as... Those other people who lived a life of real hard sin against God. But you know what? There's a whole lot of people who need to hear that testimony, who are grown up in church, who have been a part of religion, that need to hear your testimony because it's something that they can relate to. And remember, it's not about you, it's about God working through you when you share your testimony. So the first thing was when you're sharing your testimony, you talk about before you were saved. The second thing here, verses 12 through 15, How you were saved. That's the second thing. Before you were saved, the second one is how you were saved. Tell people how you were saved. In verse number 12, it says, Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way of a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me, and when... And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And then Jesus, of course, told him what he wanted Paul to do with his life. And then he says in verse number 19, I want you to look at this. He says, whereupon King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. How you were saved. God got Paul's attention here in a big way. He's driving along, riding along. And his bright light shines from heaven. Pretty amazing. So bright. It blinds them. They fall to the earth. They hear a voice from heaven. Jesus speaking to him. And that's really how God got his attention. Pretty amazing. Did God get your attention that way? Probably not. Probably not. But I will say, when God was speaking to me, it was just as powerful as that. It was just as powerful as that. The night I got saved, I knew that God was speaking to me in my heart, and there was no way that I counted it as anything else whatsoever. It was Literally, it could have been just like this. He could have whacked me right upside the head, and it would have been—it wouldn't have been any clearer whatsoever. Now, how you were saved? Some people, some people, they get caught up thinking, "Well, you know, uh, uh, how were they saved?" Well, we see here that he was obedient. It wasn't the—it wasn't Jesus shining a bright light from heaven that saved him. That wasn't what saved him. It was his response to what he knew about Jesus that saved him. It was his response. It wasn't Jesus calling him that saved him. It was his repentance and his change of life. So he says in verse number 19, Whereupon King Agrippa I was not disobedient unto this heavenly vision. I believe that that is where he was saved. When he realized who Jesus was and he says, Man, I'm wrong and God is right. In the book of Acts we see repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what salvation is all about. But a lot of people, they doubt salvation because of their experience. And I really don't like using the word experience personally. I, there may not be anything wrong with it. But I don't like using the word experience because it has this idea that when we think of the word experience that something magical must have happened. Right? It had to be magical. It had to be like Paul the Apostle here. And people, many, many, many people doubt their salvation they doubt their salvation because of their experience. Have you ever met somebody like that? Maybe you, we got one, we got one person, maybe two here. I guess that's it. I guess I'm the only one that's met people like that. That's okay. People who doubt their salvation because of the experience that they had. Uh, I have family members go back and forth constantly all the time because they, they say, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. And they battle it. Why? Because their experience is isn't what they think it should be. They say, Well, I didn't get a little tingly feeling. So maybe I, maybe it wasn't real. I don't see anything about getting a tingly feeling in the Bible. It doesn't say that. They say, Well, I you know, you know, I, I've seen people cry when they get saved and they shed tears. I, I don't think I I don't think I cried. They say, Well, what if I didn't really mean it? I mean, you know how the story goes. This is where it goes. It wasn't like a Disney movie. I prayed a prayer. I knew God was speaking to me. And I prayed a prayer. And and I asked Jesus to save me. And that was it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know how you can gain assurance of your salvation? You go to scripture. Go to scripture. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's pretty clear. How were you saved? I called upon the name of the Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The next time the devil comes by and tries to make you doubt whether you're not saved, you memorize those verses, or open up the Bible, go right to it, and quote these verses to the devil, and tell him to get packing. I believe the Bible. And there's times that people do doubt in their lives. But you know what? Go back to the book and take what it says as the word of God that you shall be saved. You know how Jesus, he was tempted in the wilderness right at the start of his ministry. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, right? He was tempted in three areas. Uh, the devil said, he said, uh, uh, turn this stone into bread. 40 days, you ought to be pretty hungry. He said, turn this stone into bread. It wasn't God's will at that time for him to do that, so it would have been sin. So, what did Jesus do? He quoted a verse. He quoted scripture. The devil comes by him again, and he says, hey, uh, brings him up to a high place and says, hey, uh, all this can be yours if you bow down to me. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord that God. He quotes a Bible verse to him. Again, he says, hey, why don't you go and throw yourself off this cliff, and before your foot dashes the ground down there, the angels are going to come back and scoop you up. And you know what Jesus did? He quoted a verse. So hey, what do we get? When the devil comes by and he tries to convince us of something that we know is not true and that we know we should not do, hey, do what Jesus did. Our greatest example. Quote scripture to him. If you're doubting your salvation tonight, open the book and memorize some verses like these two young men are doing. And I'm telling you, it will work. And the devil will flee. So, the first thing we got here, what was the first step? You talk about before you were saved. Absolutely. The second thing was, how you were saved. You guys are great. Doing way better than the teenagers do. Number three is how your life changed. How your life changed. Verses 20 and 21. Here's what he says. Here's what Paul the Apostle says about how his life changed. He says, but showed first Let's read verse 19 again. He says, Whereupon King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then unto the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and were about to kill me. He says, My life changed. It was different. It wasn't the same. He said, The things that I used to do I don't, I'm not doing those things anymore. I don't know about you, but that's how radical my, what happened, I guess the change that was in my life when I got saved. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There should be a change that happens when you get saved. There should be a change that happens. We see here in Paul's life that it was a radical change. Maybe the most radical that uh, of any testimony ever. He was actually went from persecuting Christians to now befriending Christians and helping their mission and helping their cause. Not only was he helping their cause, but he was out there spreading what he was persecuting people for. Pretty amazing. Before I was saved, I wasn't out sharing the gospel. Yes, I was in church. I knew what the Bible says. I could have shared the gospel with anybody, but I wasn't doing it. After I got saved, oh man, I, the Holy Spirit began to do a work in my life as he did in your life, and things began to change. The places I used to go, I stopped going there. The friends that I used to hang around with, I stopped hanging around with those people. You know what? It's interesting to see here. He got a new set of friends, right? Paul the Apostle here. He got a new set of friends, right? He says, oh man, and, uh, and he went and showed first Damascus, Jerusalem, all the coast of Judea, Man, he went and got a new set of friends, but it's interesting. Verse number 21, he says, For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Wasn't that the group that was out helping him earlier? Helping him catch the Christians, those Jews? Yeah, absolutely right. So his friends that he had before he was saved ended up turning his back on him after his conversion. That's typical. Many people get saved and they say, Nobody wants to hang around with me anymore. Right. I think Brother Corey over here, right? He was telling his testimony to me a while back. And he was talking about his friends. After he got saved, his friends didn't want to hang out with him anymore. Is that correct? They don't want anything to do with him. You're You're not reading the same book anymore. It's not that you're not on the same page. You're not even in the same book. Your eyes have been opened to the truth. And they're still in darkness. And you know what? Things are going to be radically different. I never thought, when I was in high school, unsaved, I never thought that I'd be hanging around with preachers. (laughs) I mean, I never thought in a million years that I would be hanging around with preachers, going to preachers meetings every now and then. It's just amazing. It's amazing the change. It's radical. A radical change. You say, well, I don't know if I've changed a whole lot. Well, Jesus said, really in the same verse about uh, many people come to me saying, Lord, Lord. Right before that, he says, every tree is known by its fruit. You want to say, am I saved? Well, number one, you take your take yourself to the Bible and see what it says. See if you obeyed and called upon the name of the Lord. Did you do that? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But what does your life show? What does your life show? What kind of fruit are you bringing forth? You know what, if we were to take an orange seed, a seed from an orange and planted in the ground here, and when it grew up, apples started to grow on it, you know what? I would say, well, you know what? I I don't think I planted the right seed. I wouldn't say, oh, it magically turned into an apple tree. No, no, no. It was an apple tree from the beginning, and that is exactly what it is. Maybe it's a transgender. (laughs) Um, Probably shouldn't go down that road. Probably not. Anyway, but a tree is known by its fruit. You know what, Christians, hey, they are known by their works. There's some young people that I know, they say, Brother Chris, I know I'm saved. (laughs) And I say, really? Are you sure? I'm not trying to make you doubt, but I'm saying everything in your life says that you're not. If we look at the fruit of your life, it's the life of an unsaved person. And this is not Brother Chris that's saying this. This is what Jesus said. Every tree is known by its fruit. When you were saved, there should have been some change. Not that, you, not that you went from a scumbag to all that you're supposed to be for Christ in one day. We're not talking about that because it's a process. Process of sanctification. Constantly becoming more like Christ. When you were saved, that doesn't mean you... Throughout all your, tr- your trash music, it doesn't mean that you stop looking at everything you should be looking at, but eventually you should. There should be a change. And, and you know, in my life, there was a gradual change that took place and led me to the place where I am today, which happens to be number four, which is in verse number 22. So, number one, we have what? You talk about before you were saved, okay? And then we talk about number two good, how you were saved. And number three, how your life changed. And then fourthly here is what you are doing now. What you are doing now. Here it is in verse number 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show the light, uh, should show the light unto the people and to the Gentiles. He says, even until this day, I'm standing before you on trial. Even until this day, I'm continuing serving God. That ought to be a very key part of your testimony, by the way. It ought to be a very key part of your testimony. I continue... Do you know how he continued? Right before that it says, having therefore obtained help of God. The only way that you and I are going to continue in our Christian life is if we have the help of God. It's not about me doing it on my own, thinking I can just try harder and I can just do better and I can just stay committed. Believe me, I tried that and I failed. And you probably have tried that and failed too. No, you have to have help of God. The help of God to continue. Doing what you're supposed to be doing. When I got saved, it didn't stop there. It's a process that led me, as I already said, to this moment right here. Continuing and continuing and continuing. Earlier I told you the story about that product called Wipe New. And one of the things that doesn't go very well is when I pull up next to you in my Jeep and my fender, my fender flares are faded out worse than yours are on um, my Jeep and my bumper's all faded out and I'm recommending this product that you should have that I don't take the advice and do myself. And that's what it's like when a Christian who tries to give their testimony, but they're not living for God in their life. It doesn't hold water. I'm very tired of retired Christians. I'm not talking about you retired folks who are Christians. Don't get me wrong. not talking about that. Don't take it that way. I'm tired of Christians who retire from being Christians. I'm tired of the used-to-be Christians. It's discouraging to me as a young person to see retired Christians. Christians who retired from doing the will of God. You talk to them, I used to run a bus route. Met a lot of people. Hey, hey, you been door to door? Oh, I used to go door to door. Why'd you stop? I don't see any handicap parking sticker in your, on your rearview mirror. There's a lot of used to be Christians, a lot of retired Christians, and not just talking about people who are older in age. Hey, I've met some people that are my age. I have met people that are, I know people that I went to school with that are retired Christians. I don't know. Maybe they never got it. I don't know. Maybe they never, maybe they didn't get the same thing I got. I don't know. But all I know is they are not continuing in the faith. So the four steps is before you were saved, when you Want to share your testimony with someone you talk about before you were saved. Then you want to go and talk about how you were saved. Then you want to talk about how your life changed. There was a change. And lastly, you want to talk about what you are doing now. So in closing, I'm going to give you just a very brief example. I'm going to give you my testimony. Very quickly. And then we'll be done. My name is Chris Barrows. You all know that. I grew up in church. My mom and dad got saved at a very young age. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, mom and dad, I say when I was at a very young age, I was about four years old or so, and really ever since I can remember, my parents have been in church. Went to Sunday school every time the doors. I mean, literally every time the doors were open, we were in church. Revival. There was literally revival in my family. Went to Awana meetings, everything. But I was far from God. My mom and dad put me in a Christian school and went there. It was a school just like gospel Uh, Baptist Christian School here, almost identical, almost identical in the number of students, um, staff, the way the thing ran, identical. But I was not saved. Everybody thought I was saved. I made a false profession of faith. I was, you know, four or five years old or something. And, you know, I, you know, prayed a prayer because somebody kind of asked me to. Uh, But in my heart, I knew that I was not saved. I knew it. Many years went on. And I had opportunities to be saved. I counted up one time and it was thousands of opportunities that I had to respond to the gospel. But I said no. God's pretty merciful, isn't he? He is. Thousands of times. Chapel every week. Bible class every day. Sunday school. Sunday morning. Sunday night. Wednesday night a lot of Bible teaching, special events, youth rallies, conferences, revival, missions, you name it, a lot, but I said no, 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 no. It wasn't until my senior year in high school, I felt the convicting power of the Holy Spirit on my life. I was actually working a summer job, and I was working a summer job, and I had to get up real early in the morning, and I would get in my car about 5 30, and I would drive off uh, to work, and I mean, I would have... These dreams, actually, that i was having about literally standing before God unsaved. It got my attention. I would drive to work knowing I'm not saved, not wanting to be saved. And I'd be crying on my way to work countless times this happened to me. I'd be crying all the way to work. I'd be loading up all my stuff in my truck, getting ready to go for my job. I'd be crying because I didn't want to respond to the gospel. I didn't want to be saved. I want to live my life the way I wanted to live it. But you know what? God got my attention but I rejected it. Weeks would go by, and I said, this is great. I haven't heard from God in a while. That's a pretty scary place to be, though. He wasn't drawing me. It wasn't until a couple weeks later, I got invited to go to a summer teen camp, and it was Mount Moriah Christian Camp in Knoxville, Tennessee. I went to that summer teen camp. Monday night, didn't respond. Tuesday night, didn't respond. Wednesday night, the preacher was not even preaching about a salvation, a salvation message. I have no idea what he was preaching. But I felt that same convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And it was as if the Holy Spirit was saying, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. I didn't know if I would ever have that opportunity again. And you know what? I responded to the gospel. I prayed and asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins. Surrendered my life to him. A few days later, God called me. Uh, To preach. I knew he wanted me to preach, and uh, that God led me to Crown College, where I studied and went there for years and met Heather, who I think is in the nursery tonight. Oh, no, she's back here. Met Heather, and that was great. That was a, a great thing. And, Amen. And came down here to gospel, heard about me because of Heather. So there you go, right there. It's because of Heather I got in. And heard about gospel. Pastor Lytel, we got in contact, and uh, it was a great thing. For the past four years, I've been serving here at Gospel Baptist Church, and the youth director here. I've loved every single minute of it, and I'm trying to go out and recommend and testify and be a witness to people about what Jesus has done for the whole world and what he has done personally for me. And that's my testimony. That was before I got saved. That was how I got saved. That was how my life changed, and that's what I am doing now. Pretty simple to do. I challenge you this week to take those four things and share them with somebody else. There's somebody this week who needs to hear your testimony. How do I know that? Jesus says the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. If he said that 2,000 years ago, it's true today. People need to hear your testimony. It's a great way to witness. It's powerful. It's easy wonderful. I hope you do it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.